This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? This week, we're discussing Danabelle. Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your demonically inclined doll host, Javi. <laughs> and this is our first episode in our Annabelle series, which is <laughs> started off as like almost a joke. A, a joke that like eventually we had to commit to the bit. You committed to it, and then you forced <laughs> me to commit to it. So the only the only reason we're doing this is because we're gonna do a full like you know trauma movie introspective <laughs> retrospective series where we're gonna watch Toxic Avenger one through five, and that's just for me because fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna turn into a fight where we just start like torture, like signing up. <laughs> We like start I'm, picking movies in like just to piss the other one off. Pretty much, that's my goal. I'm gonna pick all the ET movies. But part of the reason why I did want to do this series is because this is a series of movies that, despite the fact that it's part of the Conjuring, which I've seen all the Conjuring movies, I have not seen any, any, not a single one of the offshoots. So, you haven't seen any of the Conjuring Extended Universe? Nothing. We can call it the TCEU, but I've seen none of the extended universe movies. Yeah, I don't even remember what the... I remember I read it off for an episode. I don't remember the entire list. (laughs) Well, so far this movie has no warrants, so that might be my favorite. Well, okay, so this movie came out literally the year after The Conjuring came out. (laughs) Yeah, it was in no time. And like the Conjuring, like wanted to at least pretend that it was based on a true story somehow. This movie just said, "Fuck it, we are gonna go for it." They're like, "Hey, you fucks! Remember everything you loved about uh, <laughs> Rosemary's Baby? Well, we're gonna do that, but shittier." <laughs> so this movie is based on the Annabelle doll, which I think both of us have talked about. That it's at this point i think it's really one of the best bits from that first conjuring movie like the conjuring is i think a i think it's a classic now <laughs> now that we've had like years and years away from it and even though that second one is pretty good too that first conjuring movie is something is is something else when you watch it it takes um, like i think what annabelle and the bathsheba jump scare are maybe the two scariest things that will follow you the rest of your life <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's one of those things where when I went to go watch The Conjuring originally in 2013, like I wondered if and when we were going to see a movie that was ever going to rival some of the stuff that we saw growing up. Mm -hmm. And I think something like Insidious is really good at like perfecting kind of this jump scare art. (laughs) But so did so did The Conjuring. And I think one of the important things to kind of look at in this movie, much like when we did Conjuring 3, 
is that we are getting further and further away from the James Wan of it all, <laughs> which yeah is, is which is not a great thing <laughs> if no. you heard our Conjuring Three review. Yeah, the further you get from Mr. Wan, the worse these movies seem to get. Because I was thinking about it, all those movies, those jump scare movies, they have a certain art to them. Especially from the the Conjuring One, I think is a really good example of how how you can make a jump scare like a movie that's literally an hour and a half of jump scares, like still legitimately scary without like it losing its touch throughout that runtime. And I think this movie still has a lot of James Wan's influence. And Insidious is like that. Uh, what's the other one? Lights Out. Do you remember Lights Out? Yes, Lights Out is like that. I would probably recommend that at some point in time, because this is a movie that I have not seen since it first came out. But I, I think, think it's going to be watched worth it together. Like, no, no, no. I'm talking about specifically the movie I'm about to mention right now. Uh, I think okay. you and I should watch Saul one day, mm-hmm. but to see the first Lee Wan L like James Wan movie, mm-hmm. um, because I think that movie as well kind of has this like really good, there's there's a good shock like to the way that they set things up yes because they're actually done with the intent of create they do a good job of creating eeriness before the jump scare and there's there's a certain like it takes certain like filmmakers to be able to do that anyone can just throw jump scares at you fucking a (laughs) hundred like a hundred different ways to make (laughs) you try to shit your pants but i don't think there's many people that can capture that like the pants shitting terror that is like a jump scare like james wan like i think the perfect example being um shit i'm gonna talk about two of them in this movie but um i think the best way to describe it is going to be for those people that actually went out and watched exorcist 3 and to talk about like just the feeling of terror you feel in that jump scare scene in that movie like Mm -hmm. i think james wan is the closest filmmaker nowadays that has captured that feel (laughs) like he knows how to make it work well, he knows how to do it without making it feel too cheap. Or it's one of those things where it's like you either like it or you don't, and you accept it uh, going into the movie itself. Uh, but okay, so this movie is revolves around Annabelle, which is a doll, which in real life is a Raggedy Ann doll that is a part of the Warren's Occult Museum in Connecticut. <laughs> Remember that stupid museum from uh, part three? <laughs> Where the Warrens were like, no, old man, your shitty museum needs to suck. Ours is better. (laughs) Well, you know, the funny thing is, okay, so The Conjuring came out in kind of the early, really my early days on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember like on Instagram, one of the images that went viral was the actual image of the Annabelle doll inside the Warrens occult museum case. And I just remember it being so freaking weird that like <laughs> that the that the actual haunted doll was just like this massive Raggedy Ann doll. And I guess, you know, Raggedy Ann, they probably don't want the makers of those dolls didn't want to be associated with the horror movie. <laughs> yeah, you know? don't blame them. So it's likely why, you know, they ended up having to create this really, I think, is over the top, ridiculous uh, looking doll for this movie (laughs) well for for the conjuring that you know becomes the annabelle design going forward 
Yeah, the porcelain Annabelle doll is definitely creepy as shit. And it's like the more I look at it, especially in this movie, the more I wonder what sociopath buys that for their little girl <laughs> and thinks that's a good idea, even in 19, like, 60s LA, you know? <laughs> well, my problem with it is just that it's so clearly created for the express purpose of being creepy. <laughs> it's like if people started buying the Billy the Doll stuff for their kids from Saw, you know? <laughs> like, it's just so express. Like, you're right. It's so obviously fucking meant to scare the shit out of you. It's like, who, what normal human is buying this? Like, what? what's your market here? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the story from The Conjuring, which is the story that the Warrens tell about this, because there is no, there's no true crime, like actual, like, you know, there's no, there's no evidence to back up that this is actually a thing that existed in real life, right? So this story told by the Warrens is that in 1970, they met, a, I guess, like a nurse or sometime in the 70s they met a nurse who was given a doll um, that was supposedly haunted and that uh, there was a it was like in inhabited or possessed by a you know by a dead by the spirit of a dead girl named Annabelle Um, but in the conjuring we find out that you know ghosts won't ask to possess an item right like that's not what ghosts will do that is specifically demons that have nothing but malevolent purpose so the annabelle doll is a demonic doll (laughs) that then is at some point collected by the warrens uh and used in their freak show you know and i think it, it plays on a lot of the kind of like stuff that people are afraid of in terms of like you watch something like puppet master you watch child's play um poltergeist the the clown doll from poltergeist there's so many like different examples in horror movies of you know killer dolls come to life that it is kind of become a subgenre in itself yeah the killer doll i mean and I mean, we can really thank the filmmakers behind the Child's Play series for kind of bringing that. But like, I think I think it was good that you mentioned all the other killer doll movies because it's not it wasn't just Chucky. Like Chucky and Tiffany weren't the only killer dolls out there. But I mean, one of the things <laughs> like it's funny that you, like that you mentioned it how this kind of exists in our zeitgeist is that even one of the things we were trying to pitch for an idea for this series was trying to get some friends on board to join us. And how one of our friends was just like, no, no, nah, killer dolls, y'all, y'all can fuck up. Yeah, one of our friends is like deathly afraid of of killer doll movies and would it's absolutely like, not do deal with it. <laughs> it's like a weird thing in our own like psyche where it's like we associate dolls with like childhood. So it's like as a result, we're I don't know, like could it be weird that uh, like maybe that's what it taps into the whole weirdness of having something from your childhood now wanting to murder you. Yeah, it's not, also, reali- it's also <laughs> not realizing just, our childhood tried to murder us our entire, you know, child. <laughs> well, part of it is like as kids, kids have imaginations and they will put human characteristics inside of inanimate objects all the time. Right. Like it is something mm-hmm. that like my kid does 
and it's one of those things where it's like you don't think anything weird of it as a child it just seems normal as you become an adult these kind of things you're like well i kind of grew out of that and it becomes and you're so disconnected from that kind of thinking that it's so offbeat and weird to you <laughs> yeah like my imaginary friend boner who we haven't talked about since the early days of the show <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> all right um <laughs> so the other thing that like i just remember being and, and it's like mentioned on the wiki page for the annabelle doll story but really my first experience to killer doll and maybe my favorite to this day killer doll not a movie but it was an episode of the twilight zone called uh, living doll and it starred our favorite bond blofeld uh Ter- telly savalas the bald guy who was skiing in the alps and was like muscly uh blowfeld <laughs> in on her majesty's secret service i would call uh, telly savalas a lot of things i don't know if muscly was one of them <laughs> you know what it is i just watched fast and the furious nine this weekend so maybe i'm like confusing telly savalas with like vin diesel and i'm getting all my bald actors confused <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i want a remake with telly savalas no i want a remake of that twilight zone episode titled living doll with vin diesel um the living doll uh really episode of twilight zone is like it revolves around this kind of abusive father who you know is like <laughs> he like develops like the idea that his daughter's doll is uh trying to kill him and she does talk right her name is talking tina um and uh like in the in the episode like she she like says you know oh i'm talking my name is talky tina i love you very much my name is talky tina this and this and that but when it comes to the father she says i don't like you or I'm going to kill you and all that kind of stuff. And it feels like really to me watching that episode, sometimes it feels like he might've been a very abusive parent and the doll while evil it was. <laughs> one of the things that the doll may have been doing was protecting the daughter character from this creepy kind of evil father figure <laughs> in this like you could watch the episode and think that like telly savalas is like meant to be the hero in it but you could also very much read into it that he is villainous and <laughs> is killed by the just more evil doll <laughs> so it's like be surprising for the twilight zone if that was actually the case yes so i didn't mean to get off on a twilight zone tangent here but it really is like my introduction to living doll stuff well, i mean to like i was gonna i was gonna go on a, the simpsons tangent when i was gonna ask if <laughs> you know the crap what was her name the work family just tried setting their doll back to good instead of evil <laughs> Well, and the funny thing, too, is that that episode of The Simpsons is very much based on that episode of The Twilight Zone. Sorry, I said work. It's actually form. I knew it was a four-letter word with oh, was the <laughs> second letter. <laughs> but yeah, very much. Like, yeah, tra- the, the, the Treehouse of Horror all, is all inspired by Twilight Zone. <laughs> Sorry for our tangents, y'all. So, I mean, y'all heard us ramble enough. Let's get into the creepiness that is Annabelle. Oh, yeah. All right. So the movie kicks off. We're in Southern California here. 
Yeah, um, West Coast, West Coast, <laughs> fuck y'all out. Coast, fuck your New England asses. Yeah, but you know it's SoCal, whatever. Um, <laughs> we hate <laughs> gets angry and starts booing. I'm a right. complicated man. I hate things I love. <laughs> Um, so it revol- this movie actually revolves around a young couple uh, who are going to become parents. And I think you did mention that anytime you think of like young couple about to become parents, that kind of stuff, Rosemary's Baby might be one of the things you think about. Yeah, um, and this one, it feels like it's. I mean, her name is Mia, like the main the the main female lead is named <laughs> uh, Mia Form. And mm-hmm. her husband's named John. So already the whole Mia Farrow, like <laughs> there's that parallel. I don't know if that was done on purpose, but also there are certain points, there's certain points where she's dressed up in like the, some of the costume choices and fashion choices she puts on are very reminiscent of uh, Rosemary, especially once they get to the, to the apartment scenes, like, you know, when they move out of their house. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely the vibe I was getting, but um no yeah they're like a young couple john is a looks like he's a doctor like he was uh just graduated from med school and he's about to start his residency right he he notes that he was in nursing school which mm. um, I, I at some point which you know when i heard that he was in nursing school i thought okay well this is this guy is obviously one of the three characters that we saw at the beginning of the conjuring right Mm-hmm. And you kind of, for a moment, you could think, okay, well, this is going to get us to that beginning of The Conjuring. You probably don't think that now because you know there's three different movies in this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back then, this movie came out in 2014, the year right after The Conjuring, before we knew this was going to be an entire extended universe. You probably thought that this was just a prequel that was going to get you to that first movie. Mm. Especially um, since they lift the scene from The First Conjuring where uh we get introduced to annabelle like it feels like they take the the the, the exact scene it's just reshot in a way where it focuses on annabelle as opposed to like the characters talking to the warrens mm-hmm. um so yeah like you're like you you are fully expecting this character to somehow be connected to uh the original nursing students that came looking for uh the warrens help uh by the time we got to the conjuring one all right, so I'm going to say this. I do not think this is a good movie. <laughs> I will say it right now. I do oh, not think... man, it's like you're, you're, you have a piping hot take that I didn't... <laughs> you know, I wasn't screaming at the heavens like two reviews ago. That said, I remember watching this. I saw it a few days ago. So mm-hmm. I was watching the beginning of this movie, seeing the, the couple get introduced, like their introduction to the neighbors. And you can tell that there's something going on with the neighbors, you know, like it seems like their daughter is dead, like just based on the kind of like way that they're interacting with our characters here mm-hmm. um, to the point where Mia, and then Mia just kind of dispels all that by saying that, you know, the daughter in this family just ran away to join some cult right circus if you will (laughs) yeah so i was like all right well that's something to hear but it's one of those things you just don't think about after it's it's so innocuous that it was brought up that i just didn't think it was going to come back in anything Mm -hmm. the night so the night when they're going to bed i just instantly thought that that because they had that annabelle doll in the house 
that we're going to start with the Annabelle doll being evil right away. And because the conjuring told us it's a demon, right? Like there is, there's no origin for demons. Uh, They are just evil things that exist that come in, want to take over stuff and want to mess everything up and be evil for no reason at all. Yeah, that's Um, all they need. They just want to be mad evil, dog. (laughs) So when she's having like the kind of like nightmares or when it seems like she's about to have a nightmare, I think I'm about to see something supernatural and then next door, you're able to see the wide open window where the two neighbors are having a conversation or it seems like they're arguing about something. Mm-hmm. And the husband goes off screen or out of the window where we can't see anymore. And then all of a sudden, it like you get the like the musical sting that plays and just scares you. And this like blood that spats all over the window. <laughs> I love the transition in this scene. Yes. Because you don't know if that was a dream that Mia was having or if it was actually took like it takes place across the or across the way. Mm-hmm. It was so fantastic. Like this is what we were talking about. This is the type of James Wan jump scares where it's like like he does such a good job of having something take place on a certain part of the screen and you your dumb ass just has to look at that part of the screen every time and of course you get the musical sting that just scares the shit out of you followed by whatever scary spooky image he wants you to look at and you're it's, just like jesus it's the thing that like you feel like is off screen and then like it, you're so not seeing anything for a while that you almost squint your eyes to try to get a closer look to see what the camera is going to make you like, why, why is the camera focusing there? Why does it want me to look there? And you just start squinting and you get closer to see it. And then it just like blows you back by like giving you the creepy, like blood imagery. And then from there we find out that, that the neighbors are being attacked in some sort of home invasion by like these like crazy people. And, you know, they, they kind of set this up because Mia's watching uh, like a news report on the Manson family on television, which, you know, they live in Santa Monica, California. So obviously, if this was just coming off the death of Sharon Tate at the hands of the Manson family, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, like when you're scared of something so much, <laughs> like you almost feel like you can bring it into existence just by being so terrified by it. Yeah. And that's kind of what that felt. It's like, it's one of those things where you do kind of feel like maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's her imagination at first because she's been so caught up in like, you know, oh my God, what if these cults, these mm-hmm. satanic cults come and attack us? It's very proto-satanic panic, like especially yes. <laughs> in the scenes after after the main action scene when she talks to the police officers, they really do like hammer in home that the satanic cults are, are you know, they're in your backyard and they're going to eat your children. <laughs> well, not really. Actually, the detective even goes out of his way to be like, no, this is this doesn't happen nearly as uh, like as uh, as often as you would think. And he really tries to dispel a lot of their fears. But I think what you said is really important is that a lot of times we like are so open, especially when dealing with the, with the supernatural, if you're already open to the supernatural explanations to things, you tend to invite them in. And so it's like, if you're already looking for an occult answer for things, you're more likely to accept that the occult exists. 
it just so happens this movie takes place in the Conjuring universe where the occult does in fact exist. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, um, you know, it's, re- it's, re- it's, I-, I thought that whole, the whole, pre- the whole preparation for this is really catches you off guard because like leading up to this scene, it's just literally John and Mia having like a couple's tiff where they have a misunderstanding and they have a little argument, but then, um you know john makes it better by like giving me a gift early which was which is the annabelle doll right which they're he got for their daughter Mm -hmm. um so it's one of those things where it's such a like slice of suburbia and of what kind of um the quote-unquote like prototypical american household supposed to look like it does you're you're like nothing could ever possibly happen to these good young folks Well, you would expect that if something's going to happen, it's going to be something out of a haunted house movie because that is yeah. what the last one was. The last movie in this series was a haunted house movie. And that's what you're expecting with this one again, you know? You're you you're not really thinking that you're going to witness a a helter skelter style murder, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like finally when when uh, Mia wakes up because she hears a scream again up until this point as us as the audience we're not sure if it's when her dream or if it's for real but she ends up waking up John and telling him to to call the police to which John responds no it's probably not that serious but I'll go check because you know I don't want you to feel bad mm-hmm. um, and he ends up walking over across the street or not across the street sorry just walking next door to his neighbor yeah and mia being very nervous standing outside at the on the doorway eventually tries to walk over to her neighbor's house to be confronted by john covered in blood in a panic telling her to go call the police yeah which is the second like kind of really surprising scare that happens here yeah like at this point i'm like oh okay so we didn't witness a dream this is super real they should super call the cops and it is it is you find out that they're being attacked by this woman and this man and they are so like you know the woman has the stringy hair and they're both wearing like nightgowns to look like regan from the exorcist (laughs) like it is just it's it's doing a good job of you know playing all the tricks to to make you scared it's very witchy looking attire. You can definitely definitely see someone like Manson wearing this. Yes. So, but as good as this is, and I think this is the best stuff in the entire movie. Sadly, this is the best stuff in the entire movie. <laughs> because it, yeah. this scene will now posit the theory that Annabelle is not a demon uh, that was looking to inhabit the doll um you know in this apartment with these med students but in fact annabelle was the estranged daughter of the neighbors who are revealed to be the higgins family and their daughter i guess ran off with the not manson family (laughs) and Mm -hmm. joined a satanic cult which we will find out are called the disciples of the ram which you know we talked about it when we did the conjuring three uh, they bring that back. <laughs> the, the disciples of the Ram are the curse, are, are like that cult that puts the curse 
on Arnie Johnson, and it's like it's so up its own ass. <laughs> so now you're telling me. So first, I thought it was. Remember, you asked me if these were connected, and I'm like, I don't fucking know. I really hope mm-hmm. they're not. And then it turns out they are. <laughs> they're absolutely connected. So uh, this deposits that now there's a network of satanic cults that are going around murdering white people in the suburbs. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I thought it was an. It's interesting that we're watching this following Conjuring Three. So it like all that makes all the more sense, even though it makes absolutely no sense in terms of a movie that purports to be about true crime events. <laughs> I can't <laughs> tell the truth. Then they are totally going dick out with this like imaginary cult that was created for this movie. <laughs> oh God, I can't wait till the Conjuring Endgame. Game. <laughs> it's gonna be so right. fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, yes, I guess following like the actual attack, that's when we find out that this doll is now going to be haunted and is now going to start messing with Mia. Right. Well, I do want to add some things from the attack. Right. Because sure. one, the attack did have some very great like shots of the of the, the what I like to call the stranger effect where there's something always happening in the background and the real story is going on in the background while we're focused on the foreground. And like, you can see the woman assailant, the, the Higgins daughter, just kind of like going in from room to room, grabbing the knife, like, and you're just like, Holy shit. Just at, like, just upping your anxiety because it's something, you know, there's something very terrifying about a pregnant woman being in danger. You know, because it's like, yes, of course, like you got a baby, but now it's like the the baby isn't even mourned and it's still in, like the mother. It's like an added layer of like fragility that just like, oh, my God, I really now I'm like, I really hope nothing bad happens to any of them. And it's like in the middle of the attack, she actually does get um, she actually does get attacked by Annabelle Wiggin, Wiggins, right? I think that's her name. And she ends up stabbing her while her husband john pretty much fights for his life and he's fighting off these two uh occultists Mm -hmm. and then uh, when the cops show up they ended up just capping the dude no problem (laughs) but what we find out is that annabelle actually slits her own throat in the baby's um in the baby's nursery and dripping her blood while drawing sigils in her blood and dripping it into the annabelle doll so right. at this point, this way it's very, I guess there's a lot of parallels to Chucky. <laughs> and I guess it's kind of child's play three at this point in the film. We're left to assume what she's doing is she's transferring her soul to the Annabelle doll. Yes, that is exactly what this movie is saying. Yep. And it's one of those things that makes everything that we saw in that awesome, excellent bit from the conjuring moot. Um, you know that this movie can probably still arrive at that, but they've changed mm-hmm. the mythology already, you know, and that's the, the most disappointing part of this movie. So from here, this is where I'm like, all right, this movie is going to be absolute garbage. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to buy it. But, the, you know, here I am watching it for this show because I've already committed to doing it. Yeah. And, um... Don't you feel stupid now doing <laughs> this to me? Well, you know what? I what I appreciate about the characters in this movie is even though John is just as nondescript as the guy character from Rosemary's Baby, what I love about this guy is that he's the opposite. He's the anti-guy from Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Whereas all guy does 
is gaslight Rosemary for two hours. And he's the guy who sets her up to basically give birth to this devil baby in the movie. Um, John is actually listens to his wife. uh, And what this movie does that I really appreciated when I saw Insidious for the first time is you know, the conceit in these haunted movies or haunted house movies is why don't people just leave houses? Despite the fact that, of course, anyone who owns a home <laughs> will understand that you can't just leave a home because it's haunted and you don't want to be there. <laughs> like, it's more <laughs> than like, like you haven't tried yet. <laughs> <laughs> more than likely, what's going to happen is what happens to the family in Poltergeist, where they're just kind of spending time dealing with this um, ridiculously haunted house. But you know, what you appreciate as a movie watcher is the fact that in something like Insidious and then now this, they move. They move out of this house because obviously the doll, something feels like it's haunting Mia and she feels like there's some evil presence in the house. Uh, and she also just wants to get away from the trauma of what has happened. So the fact that she got stabbed by the crazy Annabelle lady or, or the boyfriend character, one of the two, stab her and like you know thankfully it didn't kill the baby but the attack made it so that she had to be on bed rest for her entire pregnancy Mm -hmm. um it finds good ways to fast forward to get us where we need to be sure but what i mean is like all these circumstances are they they really set up john as a character that like you don't dislike (laughs) you know like i don't i don't he's he still seems like a piece of cardboard to me and he's not that interesting or or there's nothing particularly like you know there's nothing particularly interesting about him as a character i do appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that he's at least trying to do right by mia he's not mega charismatic he's definitely not you know patrick wilson is ed warren <laughs> like he's not dripping that that type of swag but i mean he's he's a likable character enough like very clearly this movie that is centering around Mia and it's like John is there, but he, unlike other movies where we see him play, where we see the husband be the straight man and the husband that uh, just doesn't believe his wife for half the movie. He very much, like you said, I think that's the best way to describe it is he's, he's not a piece of shit. <laughs> he may be cardboard cut out of your standard, like, random husband protagonist but at the very least he's actually taking those steps to to uh try to be there for his wife and actually wants to help her through this hard time even if it's in some way shape or form um like he does it begrudgingly you know like like perfect example is he totally didn't want to get up out of bed to go check on his um on his neighbor's it's and I, you know, like, and instead of him being all angry and huffy about how that probably led to one of the worst nights of their lives, <laughs> you know, he was still like the important thing was he was supporting me and he was still there. And it made I him, can like, absolutely relate to this character because, as a dad and as <laughs> someone who is, you know, sometimes called upon to get up and do stuff when I'm sleeping, <laughs> I could very much tell you that I do it begrudgingly and I obviously look annoyed, but. I'm also, <laughs> but I'm also a dad and I have to do what I have to do. And also, you know, I, it's one of those things where it's like, you, you don't want to be like that all the time either. So it's like, yeah. you're just like, oh, I don't want to. But then you're like, 
oh, but you know, she's dealing with all this other stuff and you know, oh, then, you know, the kid needs this and all this. And it's like, you know, it's, it's those moments where you kind of have to learn how to get out of your own ass a little bit, even though you don't want to. Uh, I just remember that meme where it's like the wife was like, what goes through your mind as a couple that when uh, you hear something go bump in the night and it's like the wife is like, man, good thing I have a husband to go check up if there's something that's dangerous so that way I can grab a knife and hide or something. And the husband's like, ah, shit, I'm the husband. I'm super gonna die. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, not yet. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. And I can only imagine what it's gonna be like when your daughter screams for you and says there's a monster eating something out of the fridge and when you go there, it's just me (laughs) eating cheese with straight out of the can. Oh god. I let myself in. I was super hungry. <laughs> All right. So the Annabelle doll, uh, Mia also asks John to dispose of it at some point. And he does. He listens to her and does it, even though he bought it for her as a gift. And you know, as is the case in these haunted doll movies, somehow the doll ends up back inside the house. <laughs> And it ends up like, I guess the idea is that they get rid of it before they move into their apartment. Mm -hmm. And it somehow ends up in the apartment. Um, I guess it moves with them. They chalk it up to the fact that um, they must have left in one of the boxes without thinking about it. Um, And while they're trying to move on from that night, you can tell Mia's having a hard time. But you know they do try to they try to visit the church and try to find more um, uh, more strength in their community. But you know, of course, they they have to end up moving. Right uh, from, but- from the beginning, they are presented as a very religious couple. Um, they seem like those like nerdy teenagers <laughs> that become adults that like plan abstinence retreats <laughs> for young kids on behalf of the church we're so shitting on those people and they're probably the nicest people ever but they're fucking nerds well you know so you're like oh they got married so now they can have sex with each other finally <laughs> oh don't be marital <laughs> sex for you guys um we get the character of father part. perez that's also like their priest that they also Ooh. have a reasonably good relationship with Father Perez, representation. Let's go. <laughs> sure, he uh, looks white as milk toast, but that's not here. <laughs> um, and they move into this apartment, which, you know, for those who are paying attention, is the apartment that the three nursing students are living in in the original Conjuring movie. Or I, it looks exactly like it. I super didn't realize that. It might. I God, I hope I didn't like retcon it in my brain that it is. But the hallway, it's the hallway and the door. Because there's a scene where like the Annabelle doll is like banging on the front door. Mm-hmm. And that hallway looks exactly like the hallway from the beginning of The Conjuring. So it's it's what made me believe that this is the house from that movie. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see that. And as you said, it's like, it's one of those like, rosemary's baby like throwbacks the fact that they're living in an apartment building uh it's there's something that feels a little bit safer about it (laughs) i'm gonna say this as someone who lives in a you know i'm not in an apartment building i'm in a condominium complex but you know in we are in buildings where like three or four different units are all like together right Mm -hmm. like in in one building 
So you do have neighbors right next to you, neighbors right below you, like, mm-hmm. you know, to the to, right in front of you. It's you are so close. It's much in, less isolating than yes. it was when they're in the suburbs. Like it's even played up for laughs where Mia can like count the steps um, before she hears the door slam upstairs because the couple, their neighbors upstairs are getting in an argument, but it gives her such like such a sense of comfort the fact that they're not in this big sprawling like two-story home which was the site of a like double murder <laughs> no kidding I, after living in a building where like other people are and like you do kind of have this feeling that you're not alone it is going to be creepy when if and when eventually i end up living in a house again <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine it's going to get some getting used to, especially since, you know, you got to walk everywhere now. <laughs> oh, man, I got to go walk to go take a shit in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, man. But during this time, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, the, 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 vi- the you know, connecting the Rosemary's uh, baby uh, vibes I get with Mia is she wears a lot of past- like pastel color like schemes. And that's why, it, especially like when she's pushing baby Leah around in the in the carriage like I definitely got a lot of vibes because of that um but I think I mentioned that earlier um but yeah kind of like as we uh continue uh the Annabelle doll makes its way back into the apartment but Mia being kind of like uh pushed on by some of the words from their priest um she doesn't want their fear to be a sign of weakness so what she ends up doing is she actually puts the annabelle doll in her daughter's room um not you know trying to use it as a sign of strength and that they're not going to let their the the past pretty much define who they are and what they've been through um however the malevolent spirit that is bound to the annabelle doll starts you know making things very um creepy for me (laughs) like there's um like they they really start feeling like there's a um i'm trying to remember what some of the the creepy things that happen like like the like for example the kids right like there was the scene where she runs into these uh two children that are um that are just kind of like coloring and talking to her in the hallway and one as she like starts looking through the drawings of one of the kids later on she sees that it's like it looks like it's her and her child or her baby getting hit by a dump truck later on in the film <laughs> which is just kind of like foreshadowing for later on um there's a lot of like weird semi dream sequences kind of like what we were used to earlier uh which all culminates in that one creepy scene where um where mia goes down to i think i i guess she's trying to do laundry or she goes down to the like kind of towards the sub basement areas and she feels like a presence following her and that's where she sees like this black baby carriage and when she goes to try to check on it she sees like a fingernail pop up and like a uh, a form in the back Mm-hmm. And as she tries to run away, she gets to the elevator, and we can kind of make out the creature's features, and it looks kind of human, but painted all black, but not like you know in a racist way, but in a more like definitely in a demonic way. Mm-hmm. 
And as she tries to like force the elevator to 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 close, it keeps opening on the same door or on the same floor. A the really entire... weak scare, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> Very well, lame, but whatever. It's like when it it was the thing where it's like, I was like, all right, well, it's gonna be this movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it's this. It's been this movie for like ever since that really good opening. So this is where we're stuck now. <laughs> well, that isn't what scared me, and this is one one of the scenes coming up was actually the one that got me. What? Where she starts running up the stairs and she can see like the claws like coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And then when she gets stuck at the at the doorway, and it's like every time the the lightning would flash, you could see the the monster getting closer and closer to her. And I, I fucking felt stupid because I fell for it hook, line, and sinker. But the part where they're the 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 devil thing is down at the bottom of the of the stairs and she's at the top, and they're just like having a standoff, just staring at each other. <laughs> at that point, I'm like, I knew it was coming. I'm like, I know it's gonna happen. The lightning's gonna strike, he's gonna be right in my face, and I'm gonna be really mad. And that's exactly what happens. I was like, fuck you! I still fell for it. <laughs> And it's like, even though I knew it was coming, um, the other scene, the other jump scare I wanted to talk about that got me was the uh, little Annabelle scene. Oh, oh okay. Yes, <laughs> that one scared, that one legitimately scared the shit out of me. And I remember seeing it in the trailer and I kind of forgot about it up until I watched it for this movie. And the scene that I'm talking about is where um, where Mia goes into baby Leah's room and she sees the, I guess it's supposed to be the little girl from earlier. And, where, and I was having trouble trying to connect the dots, like one of the little girls from the hallway. And she's like not really talking to her. And she's like across the hallway. And it's like as the door starts closing in the room, uh, Mia's in, the little girl starts running full speed mm-hmm. and pitter patter and then suddenly the door swings open and it's full grown zombie fucking Annabelle from the beginning <laughs> of the movie just tackling the shit out of Mia holy shit that was great I thought that jump scare was fucking fantastic it was okay I eat I ass mean, <laughs> that was great go ahead enjoy it enjoy it if you must or if you'd like I will to. enjoy it because you're making me watch two more of these shitty ass movies. fine I'm just saying like I wasn't that impressed with it yeah, but I appreciate can... the fact that you enjoyed it so suck yeah. my nuts you, no dude you don't get to turn this into your win this is my win <laughs> no let it win let it be a win for you I don't care you so care. I hate you this care. movie. It's tearing us apart. <laughs> you care so much. Oh my god. So eventually Mia ends up talking to doc- her doctor. <laughs> doctor detective. <laughs> she ends up talking to doctor. Officer De- doctor. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I'm a detective. <laughs> she ends up talking to the detective from the beginning of the movie. Detective Clarkin. And she tries to find out more information about Annabelle and her creepy ass cult. That's where we get the name. And what they found out was that the cult was actually trying to summon a uh, supernatural being, specifically a demon. So yes. when she saw, so suddenly this is a twist on what we expected earlier because we thought it was the Annabelle's spirit that was bonded, but actually it is a demon, whichever one she summoned before she died and yes. is now tied it to the Annabelle doll. 
which still retcons the story from Conjuring 1, where the nursing students say that it was the ghost in their house that asked to possess the doll. Yeah, but I mean, demons lie. I think they, they, they kind of <laughs> fix it. They literally fix it by having Father Perez say, yeah, demons lie. Oh, sweet. <laughs> what? What do you want? Our fucking Christian Captain America is, isn't here to save us. <laughs> Uh, the the scare in this movie that like <laughs> they kind of just I was just like oh my god what the fuck am I watching mm-hmm. is the one where Mia's in the nursery and the mm-hmm. Annabelle doll is in it and you very clearly know that the Annabelle doll is gonna move somehow right mm-hmm. and my thought was hey, maybe they got a child or a little person to put on a suit that looks like the Annabelle doll and you'll see the doll run across the floor or something like that. But no, we see the Annabelle doll like morph into an adult-sized doll. (laughs) Like the arms and legs grow, but it still has that Annabelle-like face on it. It's so stupid. Oh, it's irritating. You know what else was irritating? Was just like how little I cared when <laughs> Annabelle was attacking Leah. Yes. And they were dropping they were dropping the books next to Leah. And I was mm. just like, just fucking move, dumb baby. Like Well, it's just a supremely boring, like it's just it's boring, right? Like, I mean, neither one of these characters are particularly interesting. What made Rosemary's baby so good is that. Mia Farrow's character is an interesting character and she feels really smart and because everything around her is like the walls are closing in on her mm-hmm. you feel like a real sense of sympathy for her I feel sympathy for Mia because she's was a pregnant woman and because she was a mother but there's nothing that she's doing as a character like there's nothing that she or John are doing as characters that's particularly interesting or just makes me want to root for them to get out of this. Like, I feel like this, this movie could easily be the story of them being ultimately killed by this doll at the end of the movie. And I don't care whether they live or die. (laughs) (laughs) If they die, they die. (laughs) Yeah. We get also introduced to Evelyn who I don't know exactly who she is. Is she does she run the bookstore that Mia goes to? I think so. She's like a bookstore owner slash like I, I don't know what she is. Like, like she, and then they have very interesting dialogue. Which doctor? <laughs> maybe I don't yeah. know. But like they have interesting dialogue where she's just like she's like oh what's wrong Mia and she lies to her and she's like oh well you're a terrible liar so why don't you try again (laughs) when this character is introduced played by the wonderful alfred alfred woodard i believe is the actress's name um from when this character is introduced i thought she was evil right away Mm -hmm. it's just the entire movie i thought that she was going to be a villainous character and that you were going to discover in some sort of twist, but, you know, like the movie is going to think it's smarter than you and give you the twist that, oh, well, she was with the cult all along. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't even do that. And it, I don't have a problem that it doesn't do that. I think it's cool that they resisted the urge to make it 
what I thought it was going to so obviously be. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that like they get this backstory about her daughter who also died. And I don't know if it's to show you a contrast of like what happens like when she lost a child as opposed to even though it wasn't to death where the couple from the beginning of the movie lost a child. I don't know. But they, they like Mia and her like bond over this <laughs> over their daughter, I guess. And, and, and I don't know. I don't understand this relationship. And yeah. Eve- but I do but I do appreciate that I like Evelyn, but I no, don't Evelyn. get the purpose of Evelyn in this movie. So my problem with Evelyn is that the la- like the the way they wrote her in where she says, "Oh, I've been had a couple experiences in my life that make me a little bit open to learning things." Makes it sound like she, to me was also a paranormal investigator much like the Warrens. And that line to me deposits that she also has had several adventures, much like the Warrens. That's the true. Prob- the there, problem- is a, there is a specifically the character of Lorraine Warren vibe about her looking and, back on it after the movie's over. And the, the problem with that is this is the second movie of the extended universe. Well, you could think that maybe they're subverting the trope. Where yeah, like I mean, we had look, the very benevolent, you know, psychic medium that was helping the family in the first one, and in this one, she feels like she's supposed to be that character, but ultimately is going to be revealed to be evil and the anti Lorraine Warren. Well, I'm glad she's not. Look, I'm first of all for starters, <laughs> I am happy she's just not played up as the magical Negro. Okay, like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy they didn't do that because part of me was really expecting them to be like, oh no, she's gonna use like they just have her there to introduce like some other goofy magic shit, you know. But but what they but I also think that what they do with her character is also indicative of the fact that you know we're still in this time like we don't know what to do with black characters it's super bizarre because she fucking makes this random ass relationship with mia so much so that she's willing to sacrifice it's too late it's too late in the movie if she was someone who was in that building when they first moved into the building kind of like the the good version of the neighbors in rosemary's baby like if we're going back Mm -hmm. to rosemary's baby like if she was kind of like the the good version of Ruth Gordon's character from that movie uh, mm-hmm. where she's there to help Mia. And then in the end, sure. She's going to sacrifice herself a la Dick Holleran in the shining, which I think if, when we want to talk about the magical Negro, which is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a term that's used uh, in film critique, um, which I, I think that the shining is probably the most guilty of, Movies like Shit, The Green Mile Stephen, and The Shining are most guilty of. Um, yeah, I love they don't... Stephen King, but he is the most guilty of the trope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, yeah, the problem I have with this too is that even though she isn't played up as the magical Negro character, she still kills herself for these white people for absolutely no reason. Literally just... has known Mia for like <laughs> five days. And she's like... No worry, I will make sure your daughter grows up with her mom. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm gonna go that. to my daughter and die now. Goodbye. Flies Later, out the fuckers. window. <laughs> I was just like, there is no. I felt there. There was no motivation for her to do that. Yeah. But 
you know, especially since the way the, the leading up to this depositing or deposit, you know, we have like the the Father Perez um, saying that he's going to bring in the Warrens, right? Like he was going to reach out to the, he was going to reach out to the church and have the church like send the Warrens from across the country to come check up on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anything, you have a lot of reason to believe, oh, we might see the Warrens in this movie somehow, right? Um, but instead, that's not the finale we get. You know, the finale we get is actually, you know, Evelyn's sacrifice. Right. Um, and, and the part that we didn't talk about with Father Perez was there was the scene in the middle of the movie. That's what I wanted to get to. Yeah. yeah. There was that scene in the middle of the movie where he takes the Annabelle doll, <laughs> but it like haunts him and like attacks him, <laughs> attacks him his... outside the church. Yeah, so he tells the he tells the the what are the, what are their names again? The forms. God, even their fucking last names are boring. <laughs> <laughs> he tells the forms that he's gonna take the doll to consecrated ground so that way it can weaken the demon so they can exercise it. And the demon super doesn't like that. So it starts by uh by like fucking around with his pit mobile. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I meant priest mobile. <laughs> And uh, this priest, by the way, Father Perez, you know who he reminded me of looking at it? And I only thought about it because we did Dogma not that long ago. But George Carlin is the priest from Dogma. That's <laughs> all I can think of when I saw this character. I knew Dogma would come back in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, if it would have had Buddy Christ outside of this church, maybe we would have all been saved. <laughs> Slowly but surely, I will turn you on to a Dogma fan. <laughs> And when we rewatch it in 10 years, you're going to be like, yeah, I changed what I said. But anyway, my favorite part, he's like listening to the game, right? The entire time I'm expecting him to crash while he's driving, doesn't. He ends up parking and he tries to bring the, the doll into the, to the, into the church. And the entire time you're expecting like the demon to be there, right? And when he opens the door, all that happens is like, I, I literally looked away. And I was like, all of a sudden, he's like bleeding on the ground next to the doll. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I had to rewind it and look. And you just literally see it. Like, I was watching it with uh, on Amazon with um, with uh, subtitles on. So it just says, gust of wind whooshes. And you just see Father Perez go flying hard enough to, like, bleed when he lands. It just looks super goofy. I was not a huge fan of that. Like, I would have preferred something else happen. But just, like, being force pushed by a demon just looks super dumb in this. Like, especially since this this movie series tries really hard to to to, to stay grounded within real reality because it's all, quote-unquote, based on a true story. Whatever. Fucking... Bleh. So that pretty much is what takes us up to uh, the scene. I'm trying to think if there's anything other cool scenes to talk about. I guess when demonic Father Perez is is the only other thing I can think of where he's just sitting there. And when Mia like grabs him, he repeats the line from the radio because apparently Annabelle heard it and he's just like... Something about you know I'm begging forgiveness for your soul, <laughs> but it's like really shitty CGI, so it looks super not scary. <laughs> mm-hmm. It looks like Latter Day Conjuring, like fair. 
Yeah, it was it was really goofy. Logan. Th- this anyway. movie suffers from a lot of the stuff that it thinks is scary. Feels like the shittiest parts of Conjuring Three to me. <laughs> yeah, feels a lot more yeah. connected to Conjuring. Like Conjuring Three feels a lot more connected to this than yeah. it did to any of the other movies of uh, uh, the previous two movies in that franchise. Oh man! So a year? No, I'm sorry. Six months pass. And what we find out is that actually the forums got rid of the doll finally. Mm. And the doll was uh, for some reason like found its way into an antique shop where a mother ended up buying the present as a birthday gift for her daughter who happens to be a nursing student. All right. So we finally got to the part we got to way back in the first movie where we 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 learned that uh this is pretty much the setup to that first scene from the conjuring. And the movie ends with a shot of the Annabelle doll within the case at the uh fortress of Warrentude. <laughs> and it's just like and I, I knew like that <laughs> they played that uh the 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 music box like music from conjuring one they do that mm-hmm. several times in this movie by the way they bring that, that tune back i noticed that and i wonder if that was more that we're supposed to associate that music tune with um with what's her face with, with annabelle, annabelle? that yeah. doesn't make any sense to me but yeah that's that's the doesn't. i got as well i agree i associated that with the conjuring <laughs> way more but i guess it's supposed to be annabelle even though she didn't have anything to make that music <laughs> good work movie great job appreciate it <laughs> and roll credits and that is annabelle all right yeah so <laughs> angel how do you feel about annabelle uh clearly i i'm not that impressed by it it was a movie that i knew kind of going into it i knew it wasn't going to be good <laughs> i knew it was who could have told you that well because i already know the criticisms of all the non-warren involved conjuring movies like if it isn't part of the main series quote-unquote main series they've all been like crapped on the with the exception being next week's next week's movie so um, I knew I wasn't expecting this to be good. Um, it did have some things in it that I was interested in, like the entire opening. There were certain jump scares in this that were pretty good. But outside of everything, I, I don't feel like I missed anything by not having seen this other than, as I said, we bring the cult that is involved in Conjuring 3. It's just the... <laughs> while it has an opening that's reminiscent of good Conjuring movies the latter half of the movie is more reminiscent of bad conjuring movie yeah i think uh i think i'll just jump right into my thoughts and i didn't want to do this series for a reason (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like same thing i've heard so many shitty things about these movies i mean first of all the movie didn't really like pique my interest and I think the big problem with Annabelle now as a concept is just the oversaturation of the creepy dolls. Is that and, if you and the fact that we know that compared to the other stuff that this is purportedly based on, it's pretty much bullshit. Like yeah. no one no one corroborates the fact that this doll was an actual cursed thing that existed outside of Ed and Lorraine Warren. 
And plus, you add the overexposure of what this thing is supposed to be. It just gets... And, and it's really annoying. And honestly, if they would have stuck with that Raggedy Ann doll, it probably would have been better. Because it's it, to me, it's weird that by the end of the movie, like we go from a regular creepy-looking porcelain doll to a creepy-looking chipped, like really fucked up porcelain doll with like dead flesh colored porcelain (laughs) and no one looks at this thing and thinks oh yeah maybe i should get rid of it literally the mom is like oh yeah i'll pay double what you think it's worth because apparently it's a collector's item even though it looks like hot shit Mm -hmm. so it's like just nothing in this movie really like aside from the jump scares in the beginning like the jump scares that i pretty much cream my pants over in the ju- in the the opening, it, there's nothing really there to keep your interest. The characters aren't particularly likable, and not saying they're bad characters. They're just like you know they're fucking cardboard cutouts of the of the Warrens, really, because you know they're played up to have this really uber romantic, uber like perfect relationship, really. Mm-hmm. Like even their even their fights are boring. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean overall like i yeah i don't i'm not a huge fan of this movie i wouldn't really recommend people check it out like i guess if you want to put it on because you want to learn more about like the conjuring universe just understand there is like angel said this is not tied to anything there is no there is nothing to make you think the annabelle doll was actually uh, at the center of any supernatural related crime or event so Mm -hmm. yeah you're watching bullshit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right so uh thanks for joining us for this episode of the show and uh i'm actually looking forward to next week's episode because i know that next week we're going to cover the movie that is actually gotten the best kind of response to it out of all of them in this franchise so i have a feeling this still won't be your favorite of the trilogy maybe we'll see i I think i i think the way i sold annabelle (laughs) three well i think i know that annabelle three isn't the way you described it and that is more the movie i wish annabelle three was it wasn't that far off of what i described (laughs) so you'll have to wait two weeks to find out all right well i let's let's put it this way this might be the this might be my favorite one unironically and then that last one might be my favorite ironically i'll (laughs) tell you right now annabelle one wasn't anyone's favorite no this is a movie that i easily could have not seen and then will have never thought about again Mm -hmm. i posit this kind of like with conjuring three it's a movie that like i seen it because it's part of this franchise but you know if it doesn't exist or i never see it again i'm not missing anything in my life I can't wait till we watch La Llorona. Uh, you know what? And and the way things are going now, we may very well end up watching all the fucking movies in this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> this this could join Star Wars as like franchise that we've completely covered. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> this is the only other movie franchise that we've completely covered. I'm walking in the ocean. <laughs> well, Karate Kid. We did Karate Kid. Those don't count. That's an experience. <laughs> <laughs> we did, we did a good one. We did we did two good ones. Star Wars is mostly good, and you know Karate Kid was mostly good. Well, we it was re- partly good. <laughs> it would it would actually be really interesting to do a, a a return episode where we revisit 
those series and just kind of like how our opinions have changed on them. Yeah. Well, I think my opinion on that last Star Wars movie has tickled. Like, it's really fucked with like how I think about it. it. Funny enough, well, I'll talk about it at another time that isn't this, but my opinion on the prequels has improved over time from what it was maybe even when we did our reviews a couple of years ago but, yeah that's why i would love to have a conversation on that i mean honestly we're just padding for time because this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so thanks for joining us for this episode please continue to, to interact with us on social media please continue to leave us rates ratings and if you could leave us reviews on apple podcasts or a platform of your choice kind of help get the word out of the podcast or on social media. That would be fantastic. Um, And we hope to continue to provide you with entertainment (laughs) as we come back next week and do Annabelle creation. Woo. Let's create this mother. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace out.